Hello everyone, welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Thackeray. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. Uh, wait a second, aren't you one of those kids? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> young at heart. <laughs> Forever young. Forever young, that's the way to do it, man. So, what uh, what are your uh, pick three for this uh, for this week? All right, man. So we're doing some pizza and cheese, man. So for my pick three, <laughs> I've got for you my dirty deep secret is the best pizza in the world, in my humble opinion, is Little Caesars in crust. No way. Love it. It is the best. There is nothing and nobody in the world that can change my opinion on this. Why? Is it, is it because of the $5 Friday? Oh, man, it's actually $5 every day, not just Friday. Oh, snap. Like, the, <laughs> the thin crust is a dollar more at 6 bucks. so you're really, like, pushing the envelope there, price-wise. You're like but borderline microwave uh, uh, Red Baron. Uh, prices. Oh, oh man! You know what? So I will cop to pizza just being one of those foods that, even when it's bad, it's still good. You know, it's like hamburgers, set pizza, ice cream. You know, like even when it's terrible, like it's still baseline. Like, oh man, this is yummy! I can eat this. You know, <laughs> that but, is true. Uh, I never thought about it. Well, except burgers, man. I've had a really, really ter- once. I had a really, really terrible burger from a place that people swear by, and it was terrible. It was the worst burger I've ever had, and I was really confused because I didn't understand how they could fuck up a burger. In in the spirit of full disclosure, was it Hubcap Grill? No, not at all. It was Moon Tower oh. Inn. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, you so. That hurts me. I love, I love me some Moon Tower. You see what I, I'm saying? And, and, and it was, this is when they started their buy one, get one free burger, I think it was. What? This is a couple oh, of years ago. I'm some sure years ago. you waited like a good 45 minutes for that sucker, too. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Every Whoa. bit of 45, if not a whole hour. And it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'll be damned if it wasn't a whole hour, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible, man. Like, I, I really was confused. I was like, how can you fuck up a burger? It's, this is impossible. They did. I, you know, I, as much as I love me some Moon Tower in, I can definitely put myself in your shoes and see not having a good experience there once or twice like yeah i could see that that's not like outside the realm of possibility in my mind right and and the, and the thing about it is that their their hot dogs are great but they don't want to treat them like a fast food what it is <laughs> it's gourmet it's, it's like but yeah but you're like 99% patio so it's it's fast food <laughs> and but. i think that so full disclosure i always never really like understood the cult of personality around like hubcap grill i've never had really like excellent burgers i've had some really like decent mediocre burgers but never really had a good one the, from them 
I'll say that. But to circle back, let's get back to the Little Caesars. <laughs> it, it is not a, like, uh, it's not like a cult thing. It's not like a, oh, I grew up and this is, like, nostalgia to me. No, I genuinely, in my heart of hearts, believe the thin crust is fucking perfect. It's crunchy. It's crisp. You get that perfect amount of bread to sauce to cheese to meat. And you get it in, like, layers and waves. Like, the crust starts to, just like, come apart. And you get these buttery, like, decadent little shards of goodness in your mouth. Then you get the, like, the sauce, that bite of, like, sharp tomato. And it tastes, it actually tastes like motherfucking tomatoes. Like, you get that, like, umami that, like, cooks slow like sourness tartness that you that i love about tomato and then you get like the like the oozy like decadent like pork fat and the pepperoni the spice and then you get like the cheese that just ties everything together it's like the glue guy you know <laughs> uh, yeah and, and perfect ratio like every single time and consistent like it is nothing if not the exact same experience every single time hot and ready i love it so so but is it is it fresh or is it synthetic are you because you're describing these perfect flavors every single time i'm wondering is is that is that real cheese or is it did they come up with it in some lab and it's so it's like lab grown and like specifically designed like connecticut you like trigger every single like taste bud receptor. Yeah. God. Oh man. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't even want to know. Like, please, just don't know. I don't want to peek behind the curtain. Down, down to the like the, the nano receptor. Right. There's <laughs> 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 like a team of scientists working. They're like, okay, this is the exact like perfect like bite of pizza. Yeah. 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 All right, all right. So now that that you uh, gave us the uh, your 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 dirty little secret, uh, that thing that you 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 pine over uh, every time that you finish one, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are the other ones? What else do you got? Uh, on the on the good note, um, I got I can't have the pizza conversation without bringing up Via Three One Three. They're not Houston. They're in Austin. They specialize in Detroit-style deep dish, and, I mean, for me, it's literally worth, like, driving two and a half hours just for this pizza. Like, it is that freaking good. It's gooey. You get that soft, pillowy inside. The crust is nice and crispy and crunchy. You get, like, a little bit of, like, cheese on the crust that, like, kind of fries in the pan and gives it, like, a little bit of extra, like, crunch and decadence. The sauce, the meat all like quality it's beautiful i feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out to like throw an austin pizza in there so i do have a local alternative if you want to and honestly honorable mention to the little caesar's detroit style deep dish because that shit slaps too <laughs> but i will i will now lay, I will lay the little caesar's to rest uh, if you want a good detroit style deep dish in houston texas check out napolitano's it's fire. It is like a $30 pie. And for me, that's like a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother bag of worms. Like, I think if your pizza, if your large pizza is over $20, you're, you're doing too much. You know, you need yeah. to back it in, reel it in. Yeah. Well, uh, is that the one on Montrose and West Gray? 
the very one. You know it. You okay. know it well, apparently. Well, I never had their pie because I went the other day. I was just looking for a slice, and uh, and they were doing only whole pizzas, so they weren't doing any slices. So I just mm. went down to Pink's and uh, not necessarily. Yeah, it, it was it was fine. Um, yeah, exactly. I I know what I'm getting at. Pink's like yeah. That, okay, so. I do have a bone to pick with pinks, but we'll, we'll we'll round out like the positive notes first. So I do want to also give a tip of the hat to both pizza inside of um, bravery. Bravery, thank you. Oh, it was on the tip of my tongue, but I think <laughs> I've blacked out those horrible uh, dark times in my life. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, but the pizza there is fantastic. It's that Romana. Altaglio style, really light and fluffy, and the mushroom pizza that he's doing there, I will put that slice against anything else in this in the city, as and it'll uh, it'll hold its own. It's fantastic. Like uh, I can't really say enough good things about it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really unique. So now now to the bad apples because I've got a few. Um, We'll we'll jump right in with pinks. What the fuck is going on with that wheat crust? Like that mm. is the most horrid thing that I've <laughs> ever like experienced in the pizza world. It's really just straight trash. It tastes like a train derailment. Like what is going on? I I, I haven't like, had it. So many things wrong with it. Like I can't even put my my like I can't pin down one specific thing. Like it's just all bad. So here's my bone. Wet newspaper. Yeah. So my thing with Pink's is that they, they they put so much stuff on on their pizzas, and don't necessarily consider how they go together. That a lot of times when I'm eating it, it's like it's fine, but it's like this flavor doesn't necessarily go with this other flavor. And so and it's got so much stuff on it that is like okay, it's it's this is confusing to eat. <laughs> if if you're if you're someone like us that you know, are part of the, the food and beverage industry that, you know, go out and try out new places, especially when it comes to pizza, because, you know. Exactly. So. And I hear you. And honestly, you make a fantastic point about toppings. And it brings me to my next bone to pick, and that is the pizza at Rudyard's. I ah. think it absolutely suffers from uh, creativity run amok, if you will. There's things that absolutely should not dance should not be dance partners on that pizza and not to mention like it's a really really sad attempt at detroit style it's from the times that i've had it is always fucked up it's always burned yet somehow still raw in the middle it's it's yeah it's really really sad and it's one of those things that man people in houston really love that pizza for whatever reason and I just don't see it. I just can't bring myself to, like, continue to, like, give it a shot. So, especially when you have, like, the pinnacle, Little Caesars, just hot and ready. <laughs> the touch of a button. Hold up, hold up now. I mean, I got to jump in there then, too, because my favorite in, in Houston for the last two decades has been uh, Star Pizza. Star Pizza... Nice. It's it's always good and like you you made a really good point though on uh, twenty dollar large pizza like you you're doing too much but I don't think that they are well, they're they're giving you a lot because they're deep dish large like uh, I like they used to, it used to be called the rosemary chicken pizza and now it's called the uh, chicken alfredo um, because it has a white sauce instead of red sauce 
and oh, it is over. They're, it's, they're I think it's like, yeah, like they're yeah. Oh, they one slice. It's it's a uh, it's a meal. And absolutely, that I can get with. I've had Star on many occasions, and I will absolutely. Yeah, I'll do it again. I've done it in the past, and I'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. So for them, for for Houston staple to me is at least inner loop, right? Um, because they have had the one the location off of Fifty Nine and Shepherd for as long as I can remember. Um, and then they got the one in Washington. I think they may have a third location. I'm not sure, but I know two locations for sure. And they're both solid. I get pizza from either one of those without considering whether one is this location is better than the other one. They're always solid. So important. So important. Efficient, great operation. Uh, they, they, to me, they have it all going on because I haven't had the uh, Rutgers uh, pizza, and um, but I remember the uh, the food truck pizza, and uh, mm. that was that was good and very creative. Uh, the the I'm I'm very curious as to your critique because um, you know it sounds like when when uh, Ben was starting off uh, Bar Pizza uh, in uh, Bravery like you said there were new people coming in they're still training and all that the temperature at which you cook it and all that sometimes it was getting burned sometimes getting overcooked so it was it was a lot of tweaking for the first week or or ten days and then he, he dialed it in. Not him, but like the training, but and then sometimes he liked a little bit of a burnt um, dough on the pepperoni in particular because it added a little bit of contrast to the to the fattiness of of it. But people would complain because of the visual, and it wasn't a matter of taste. It actually tasted really good, but the visual, people were like, I don't want that slice that's burnt, and it's like, well, it's just crispy, a little bit like on the really crispy, almost burnt side, but you know. Then that okay. becomes that becomes a chef thing. So you've gotten all right. You, uh, I just had a food experience today that uh, I was going to use this kind of as a transition to the cheese section of our <laughs> interview today, um, because it involves a local James Beard Award-winning chef, Mr. Justin Yu. So I'm at BLT today and. If you want to talk about a little bit too crispy, I had their mortadella sandwich today, and it's fried mortadella, like, dipped in the fryer, uh-huh. and it was just absolutely fried to shit. Like, this was inedible. I took a bite and literally, like, please get this out of my face. This is trash. Like, it tasted like a stack of burned tortillas on bread. Oh, the consistency, the texture was like boot leather, and of course everything was burned, so it's bitter and acrid and disgusting. And I'm just like, sir, can you please turn in your James Beard awards, please? <laughs> so, and we we hit for the cycle. Like we went with the mortadella sandwich, the party melt, and the calamari sandwich. The party melt was fantastic. It was the one redeeming thing. Thank God we ordered it. It's it is literally like one of the best burgers in Houston. But the other thing that was deeply strange to me was the calamari sandwich. It's a like handful of fried calamari rings on a bun and it's completely unsandwichable. Like you can't pick this thing up. It's falling apart. Oh it's, wow. And then and then the calamari is overcooked. So you're just chewing on fucking rubber rings. 
that you've like fished out of this bread with your fork and knife because that's the only way you can attack this beast so so bad and when you're only hitting one good dish out of three like what the fuck are you doing especially at those prices yeah you know and i guess so then we get into the uh the the curse of the uh winning awards right which is you work so hard to get that award and then uh afterwards it's sort of like uh you start mailing it in right because you know that and that's just james beard that's not even getting michelin star which we don't have any in houston but it's 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 like people are attracted to it because every every media goes out is james beard award winning and it and i've seen this in, in staff in other kitchens i don't know what's going on there but i've seen it to where they just don't care they're like oh like people are going to show up no matter what because we're we are who we are mm. and so i'm Man, curious I, now I hope that's not the case. I definitely, like, hope it's definitely a case of, like, oh, man, we had an off day. We just kind of mailed it in. A case of the Mondays or whatever. But I was just so, so appalled at that crime with the Italian people of that mortadella sandwich and that calamari sandwich. Like, how how could you? Well, and then... And why would you? Like, calamari sandwich? Come on, man. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Unless, yeah. unless you put it on the focaccia. No, okay, there we go. No, <laughs> it was this brioche thing that made absolutely no sense either. I, yeah, okay. But now we've got the, now we're into the, we fully transitioned into the cheese mess section. Yeah. And it also con- concerns our boy, Justin Yu, who apparently, in the middle of a pandemic, thinks it's cool not to tip your delivery driver. And I have this straight from the source. Yeah. This guy is a habitual non-tipper. <laughs> habitual line stepper. <laughs> like, in the middle of a pandemic, sir. Really? Wow. And I know you're not struggling for it either, my man. Like, come on. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. And I just that, have to does... drag you. I, it's like, I find out you're shitty. You're, you're not tipper. Like, come on in the industry. In this. Exactly. In this industry, that's given you so much fame and fortune and your name rings out across the country. You're going to not take care of your, like your delivery people, like your frontline people that are literally putting their lives on the line. Yeah. Or your fucking Chinese food. But. Wow. Maybe we so, can, uh, maybe, maybe you can uh, interview him and get a response. Reach out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> wow. But I mean, that's that's pretty intense. At, uh, because because you, 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 you hit a very important point. Is, is that once. That's the thing about, again, about being on the spotlight. Right. Like, it's, yes. it's, 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 you, you just created a target for yourself. And, and and Target, right, that has the negative connotation. But it's also in the things like when you do fuck up, you're going to get called out. Yeah, and for better or worse, that's just, that is how it is, you know? Wow, habitual non-tipper. Man, those, <laughs> yeah, those those really don't get any love from me when it comes to, uh, to service. Um, and, you know, they get the bare minimum. Uh, what's required 
and 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 nothing else. That, at least whenever I was a waiter, that's that's been, you know, over a decade. But when I was a waiter and I figured out that somebody was a habitual non non tipper, you were just getting the bare minimum. And don't ask me for fucking extra anything. If if you didn't ask for it when you ordered it, it's a good chance it's never gonna hit your table. Oh yeah, no, you can go get your own ketchup, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not paying for the service. You you you're not paying for the service. You you've made a conscious effort effort to not pay for the service because you know you're getting the service because you're asking me for shit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you just walk around the street asking people for shit. No, you go into a restaurant in, instead of of a grocery store because you want somebody else to cook your food and you want somebody to bring it to your to right in front of you. Um. But I'm curious now as to uh, what's going on there. And I honestly wouldn't have brought it up if it had just been a one-off thing, but straight from the source, is it like, some, no. Is they it so, are like, it's a, it's a thing. Is, is it a source, uh, somebody we know? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Ah. These are known sources. And I'm not going to, like, burn them on... You, on the air, but, t- tell me, tell me yeah. off air, so I can I can hit him up and, and get the full full dip. Absolutely, yeah, I got you off air for sure. <laughs> well, well, there has to be a little bit of a uh, source protection, right? Yeah, <laughs> journalistic <laughs> integrity. <laughs> hey, you're not a real journalist until the CIA tries to murder you, right? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my FBI guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh okay. man! <laughs> what have you been up to this this pandemic, bro? <laughs> oh man, you you have me on actual social media, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So stirring the pot. I know. Um. All right. So tell me again. What are your three picks? All right. So big up, Little Caesars, Napolitanos. Bo, and then for if you feel froggy and you find yourself in Austin, Texas, via 313, do it. You're not going to regret it. Send me a thank you card later. All right. Those are my, <laughs> those are my big three. All right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss in there uh, Star Pizza also. Star Pizza as, as, uh, as my pick. I will co sign. I will co sign on that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, all right. One, uh, I have another question, uh, food related. The uh, the pan de taco. How what, uh, how is that going? Have you been back? So I know they took the weekend off, um, and I actually got the chance to check out Somos Semillas again. So this weekend on Saturday for lunch, I had their Jamaica empanadas and a couple of tamales. So they were doing like a blue corn tamale with uh, stuffed with mushroom. And then also another tamale uh, stuffed with seasoned calabacitas. Both of them are fantastic. Served with a nice little creamy green sauce. The uh, blue corn one had a like smoked sweet corn so it had like a pretty pronounced smokiness to it which i was uh not expecting from you know vegan 
food to have that kind of really pronounced smoky bite. And just the blue corn is very visually striking, beautiful, and I thought worked really, really well. And you got the sweetness of that roasted corn, and it worked well with the smokiness. Oh, I don't want to say it was, like, meaty in uh-huh. any kind of way, but it definitely kind of stimulated the taste buds in a way that I was not expecting from straight vegan food and it was very very like pleasantly surprising and the empanadas the flor de jamaica that they do is seasoned really well and really does a great job of being kind of a filling like wholesome and delicious you know kind of vehicle for that spice and that flavor without being meaty you know I'm 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 consistently impressed by uh, vegan uh, food these days because we, we talked about this the last time, which was vegan food was so plain and 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 got no effort and no love, and um, and these days you, you almost can't tell. <laughs> you can eat something, uh, you know, and not tell that it's vegan until somebody tells you. You just think it's like, oh, okay, it's either meatless or it's got a little bit of meat for flavor, um, but. I this this is the one I really want to try out because it's one of the things that that I'm I'm working on which is balancing my my meat to veggie ratios and 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 the other point is is vegan food is not always healthy. That's absolutely true too. Right? The assumption is that it's healthy but I've talked to no. chefs that are are vegan chefs and they're like no, not always. <laughs> yeah, you start putting that almond cream and all that other stuff, you know, the calories, the, the healthy fats are in there, but they're still fats, bro. Like, right. You, you have to build them up. And, you know, you're going to pack on some pounds eventually. <laughs> Which is good because vegans usually look like they were dead. These days, they're, they're <laughs> you know, they were skinny and yellow. And, it, you know, the, and so these days, the, you can't tell if somebody's a vegan. Which is great. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you if you want to get your somosimias fixed, they do uh, have tamales to go prepackaged, available, I believe, from Henderson and Kane. Okay. Uh, a general store. So you can pop in there and get your vegan tamale fix. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so... Um... Okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to try that out because uh, I haven't had any since um, uh, Cafe Brazil, and I'm not sure if those were vegan, those were vegetarian, but they have a bean, uh, bean and uh, black bean and kale uh, tamal. You know what? It, you know what? You, this whole conversation just reminded me. I have been absolutely remiss not to give you the secret menu hack for Little Caesars. This is a Northside special here for your listeners. So the move, since you can order your Little Caesars on the app and get it working, is you put in your order. Yeah. You go down to Taco Nazo on Fulton. You get the pastor to go. Yeah. By the time you get your pastor and you get through the line, your pizza's ready. Go through the drive-thru, take them home, and you just dump all the pastor out that full, like, to go like one pound container onto the pizza, fresh onion and cilantro, green sauce, and bada boom, bada bing. Whoa. A lot of people have been doing this online. It's not original. It's not new. But hopefully, maybe it's new to somebody that's listening and they go out and they do this and they absolutely blow their mind because it is fucking 
it's a it's damn near a religious experience. Really, it sounds like it. So, are we talking a, a cheese pizza or pepperoni? I mean, you can do what you want, like <laughs> whatever you feel you can your like metabolism can handle. Let's say, let's say that. But uh, if you want purity of flavor, obviously cheese. If you want a little bit more of a fusion vibe to it. You know, you take your pepperoni pizza, you take your al pastor taco, and you, you know, just bring them together. Now, kiss, you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it depends if it's a cheat day or if you're hungover. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely always a cheat day when you're doing that one, brother. <laughs> and then, of course, it screams out to pair with, like, a light, crisp beer. Like, that's, that's the move. Okay. So if you if you haven't done it yet, put that on your your uh, bucket list, brother. All right. So so you're saying light beer like a, like a Stella or an Amstel light? Perfect. I like them <laughs> a little bit like uh, I like the green bottles. Like I like Heineken, especially if it's like sat outside for a little bit and starts to get skunky and weird. Kind of like a like a good joint. Yeah. Kind of a good little funk to it. That's yeah. That's my go-to for a nice, light, crisp beer. Here's, Honestly, actually, I'm 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 full of shit. I, I drink craft. Uh, my go-to has been Lager Beer from Sigma. Uh, they recently changed their name to I think Equal Parts uh, for different reasons. But yeah, that's that's my honest to goodness what you'll find in my little mini fridge at home. Oh, so wait a second. Sigma changed their name. Uh, yes, recently they've rebranded. Uh, let me double check. Okay, because I, I, I do like their beers. Uh, they had a couple of them that, that I enjoy, and they're not too far from, from here. I mean, they got a pretty decent, they got a great location, I think. But, um, Absolutely, and I, the bartenders over there are fantastic. Uh, shout out to my boy Dom. Ah, uh, Dom, yeah. He's been killing it. It's been great to actually watch that kid grow from somebody who was uh, passing out in the streets of downtown, you know, a few years ago, to somebody who's actually very knowledgeable. Hold up, though. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up now. Five years ago, I think just about everybody that worked downtown was passing out in the streets of Maine. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. To be fair, right? <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Let's put this in context. If you work downtown, pretty sure somebody saw you shit face or passed out somewhere in the, in the streets. I and mean, so. that's what happens when you have a uh, institution like Warren's, right? <laughs> that that's yeah, well that's what happens when two blocks, city blocks, you you have 30 bars or however many it is, 28, 30 bars. <laughs> oh man. And they and half of them are craft. Like the good old days of downtown. Right? Uh COVID, why'd you do this to us? But <laughs> Just to get back on, on track, yes, they have rebranded. They are now called Equal Parts Brewing. Okay, okay. Still located, 3118 Harrisburg. Go check them out. Check out their lager beer if you want my personal recommendation of what I'm drinking nine times out of ten. Okay. You know, a uh, little fun fact on, on beer consumption during uh, COVID is that I was talking to uh, a guy from Kroger does the buying he was saying you you know it was all about craft uh before covid and uh during covid it's been the the big packs and uh like national beers the 24 packs and uh you know, it seems like people just are limiting their trips so they're 
getting more for and and money's been tight. So I think they're going back to the uh, old faithful. I understand that completely. And full disclosure, I have never drank so many hard sausages. <laughs> like COVID has done something <laughs> to my brain chemistry. They're just refreshing and delicious, and I can't stop them. They're just yeah, they just call to me. So you've been uh, the uh, White Claw? The, the Claw, the Truly, uh, a little Bon Viv if I'm feeling fancy. Damn. <laughs> I, I drink them all, man. I, I literally have not turned one away. I thought I thought fancy seltzer was uh, called champagne. Ooh, you très cher, mon ami, très cher. <laughs> all right. All right, I'm I'm learning new stuff all the time. It's is is like a, a, a carbonated uh, Mad Dog. Hey, you know what? Somebody's gonna put that on the menu, and I hope they they send you some royalties for that. <laughs> I hope you get like a little like maybe like two percent tip out on that. Yeah, I should. Or the carbonated Mad Dog. <laughs> Because you gotta throw a little craft in there, right? You gotta, you gotta work for it. Yeah, you gotta work for the people that like the juicy stuff, you know, and and just who doesn't, who doesn't like it juicy? Right, and and then and then just the juicy is gonna get you fucked up. That's Mad Dog. We've all been there, and you know what? I'm probably gonna be there again eventually. You know, post COVID. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, what else you got? Man, I think that is it. What do, what should we talk about next week? We need a theme, I think, right? N- yeah, I think next week should be burgers. Maybe. I just had recently had a really good you burger. So you've got you you can talk to me about burgers. I'm gonna bring you dessert next week. Ooh. I'm gonna focus on egg custard desserts because I've got some. Yeah, I've got some hot ones for you. I've got some really like. Under like you have to dig in the menu for these for these boys. So I've got some hidden gems. Okay, all right. So yeah. so we, they, we haven't touched on desserts yet specifically, and I feel yeah I feel hot about this one. I'm ready. Okay, all right. So we're leading up to the to the holidays. So then there's there's holiday food too because uh, then we're gonna have to talk about uh, eggnog and coquito and 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 all that kind oh. of good stuff. I love it when you talk dirty to me. Please, <laughs> coquito twice, <laughs> right? One fifty-one. Oh, I'm almost there. Yeah, fifty-one. <laughs> so, so now we have the theme for for the following month. Beautiful. I am ready. Let's yeah. Let's do some research. Let's get out there and uh, drink and eat and. Be merry as much as we can in these strange, strange times. Well, yeah. It's, what else do we have left? We've done it. <laughs> we've, we've gone full circle, man. We've gone full circle, and this is what's left. The primal. <laughs> well, as always, man, it has been a pleasure talking to you. I'm definitely looking forward to our coming food conversations. All right, man. I appreciate you uh, calling in, and uh, yeah, uh, look forward to next week. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers. Sydney Powell. You know who that is? Well, she's uh, Trump's lawyer who is suing the uh, states and counties for election irregularities. Um, interesting thing is, is she's a very accomplished attorney who has a long list of uh, accolades. 
including um, one point in her career, at least for one year, she was the president of the American Academy of Appellate Lawyers. And um, I find it interesting that someone that has been able to reach that height of her of her profession to have she specialized she was 10 years with the uh, um, Justice Department and then she went on to become an appellate um, attorney to federal cases so she was in the Federal Circuit Court of, of Appeals but if you go to her and this is the thing is is when you go to her Twitter account and you see what has been happening in the last couple of weeks after the election um, it's been this rant frantic of of tweets from her and from uh, other people tagging her or responding to her and it's frantic it's fanatical and it's extreme in in that it doesn't represent what you would imagine an accomplished attorney to have maybe maybe i'm i'm just i'm just a loony i'm just missed the point of all this but maybe it, it is maybe uh at this point this is a, such a um a public thing that making the biggest you know public display of of the opposition it's uh it's what they got but you know, in one of them, she has she reposted this article, and I can remember what the source was because it wasn't a normal source of uh, of news. It was, you know, independent news, which is something that the right has been very active and very good at doing, which you know to circumvent the the big media uh, outlets. And I'm going to play to you in a little bit a clip from a parent. Um, who was upset that the uh, teacher had um, had the students do a, um, an assignment that pretty much said that Joe Biden had won the election. But that's later. Right now, let's focus on this one thing. So they've been doing that. They've been doing a lot of independent media, meaning that anybody that is that is willing to go out there with a camera or write a blog or 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 tweet or do whatever it is that they need done, as long as they do it with their ideas, with their conspiracy theories, with their agenda, with whatever they claim to be the truth, then then they're part of it. And they get retweeted by these accounts of you know Giuliani and and Sidney Powell and and you know you can just imagine there's a bunch of them. Um, but this uh, this one article is talking about a. So this, they're talking about um, a software developer with uh, Dominion um, having openly saying how he had rigged elections. I mean, first off, who does that, right? But okay, but let's follow this. So the guy they're talking to is Joe Altman. And uh, he has, uh, he's the president and founder of an um, organization called the FEC. And no, it's not the... Uh, Federal uh, Elections Commission. It is the Faith, Education, and Commerce um, organization. And so this guy has uh, this this story, right? That he's saying that uh, he was able to infiltrate uh, Antifa and this engineer for Dominion, which is the software uh, that gets used to count votes. 
Um, he was just openly saying how he was able to um, make up votes and switch votes and not a big deal. The thing is, is that it's all hearsay because he didn't record any of the, the uh, phone calls. I think that there was, you know, some allegation of the phone calls. He was in a chat room. He doesn't have any screenshots of it, at least in the article. They didn't, they didn't put any of those sources on there. They didn't, um, um, what was the other thing? Facebook. I think there was a Facebook chat. Same thing. No screenshots of it. And he, but here's the thing is, is that the story goes that this guy is, is claiming to be all this. He's uh, an engineer for a uh, software engineer for Dominion. And he is a, uh, and you know, this might be all be true or it might, might be that they're making these fi- uh, profiles up because uh, as they tell the, the stories, right? In other words, it could very easily be that this person, Joel Oatman, or someone working with him or someone with the same objective can create these fake files of these names that they're going to throw out there, right? And then say that these people are pulling their files down because there was also some of that, that in LinkedIn, all the employees and executives from uh, Dominion uh, were pulling their files. Well, that might be true, and it could be because they're being harassed. Um, some of the stuff that they, they put out there might be that someone uh, looking to sabotage them um, might create it. But here's the thing is the guy that he's talking about is a nuclear physicist or, or yeah, he's, he's got a Ph.D. in nuclear science. And he, it makes it sound everything so doomsday for Republicans, right, and for conservatives and for the right wing, because what they're saying is like, so you have this guy that is a nuclear scientist, a mad scientist that is now a software engineer who has created this backdoor to hack the election and and so again an accomplished attorney is posting this stuff right and putting it out there and that's why i'm saying that it's uh, it looks like a frenzy because there's all these independent blogs um having all kinds of theories as to what happened and and well actually it's not even theories because they're calling it proof right that they have evidence but they don't show any of the evidence um in any of that so and and that's what this guy does and, and this guy's uh, organization he's he's been um quoted as threatened reporters that would write anything bad about him or his organization and while he also uses uh, his own militia uh, this organization has a militia um whenever he goes to these places to protect or make the the, the meetings private um especially against um reporters <clears throat> so there's a lot of secrecy. Um, the guy that runs and trains the people in the militia is a former military contractor. Maybe still a military contractor. I'm not sure. But the thing is, is that it's 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 there. All these stories are so lofty. They're so big. Right. Then you have the other one that is uh, the. the pe- uh, people are claiming on the right Trump supporters that the distribution of votes in um, in this election um, doesn't follow Bedford's law. Well, at least for for Biden, it doesn't. What is Bedford's law? Well, that means from one to, to zero or one to nine, those numbers are not going to be evenly distributed. 
In other words, <clears throat> if you have uh, 10 sets of numbers, you're not going to have two, 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 and two, right? Two of each or and, and then make up the other. What's going to happen is that a third of those numbers are going to be low numbers, like a one. Like 30% of them are going to be one. And then only like 5% is going to be like nine. So the majority of the numbers are going to be low numbers, one, two, three. And oftentimes the way that is used is in order to find irregularity. In other words, if you notice a, a distribution that, that breaks this law, then you look at that. That's all that it does. It just calls attention to itself. It's like being in a, in a room, in, in a bar, and somebody's being loud. Is that the guy that's going to start the fight? Well, not automatically. I mean, he's just a loud person, right? It calls attention. You go, you take a look, and then you realize, ah, this person has only one volume. And that's it. And it's done. And so in finance and in accounting, the IRS uses this, is used the same way. It calls attention to something. They go, they audit, they take a look at how those numbers came about. And then it's it's fine. But it's definitely, without a doubt, not a guarantee that there is fraud. That's the thing about it. And the way that they write in these in these uh, blogs um, is, is as if, aha, I got you. Right? And... And that's wrong. That's a poor understanding of what these numbers mean and what that law in particular uh, means. So um, it's 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 a really sad situation that there's so much lies, so much craziness flying around that you can't make sense of any of it because it's all over the place. And the problem is, is that there is nothing that has any foundation. As a matter of fact, I even saw an interview uh, last night, I think it was, or the night before, with uh, Sidney Powell in uh, Newsmax, which, again, they're promoting all of these uh, wild ideas. And she says, oh, we have all this evidence. Wait for it, because I'm going to post it on my Twitter feed. And that was early in the day, and I was watching this in the evening. So I went to her Twitter feed to see what she posted. Nothing. Like I, I had, you know, been going to her feed every every day just to kind of see what what's what's going on because, you know, it's just it's information, right? You you don't know. And so she posted nothing, and she I mean she promised she was like I am about to drop some. I'm about to release uh, release the Kraken, is, is what she says, and uh, and there's nothing there. There is just more of these articles, and when you go to them, they're empty, and they're empty in the sense that there's no source. It's just speculation, saying this person said that this person said, right? I was told by a good source that some they heard somebody say something. That is the reason why all of these uh, cases are being thrown out of, out of court. That's why judges are not even bothering with it because it's sort of like. Lawyers know better than to bring a case based on hearsay, right? I mean, you know that. <laughs> so I am bringing this up. I'm not done. I am upset about this because you're li- you literally, whether you say that you said it, the homework that he brought home says completely opposite. You, if you did talk to them about that, that's not what you told them to call her in. He told me you went up to there and put up a map. I went and put up a map. I didn't go to Google. Uh, I went to the National Archives and then 
also went to OAN, and it had exactly what we, he and I had been talking about. And he was very, he said, well, I don't understand. Why is this not what she showed me? And I was like, where did she go? Well, he went, she went to Google. Uh, well, there you go. Although, and so I say all that just to get to the real point. The real point is that this is a shift. This is a change in our society. 72 million people voted for Trump. And many, tens of millions of those people are fighting this fight of wanting him to be president even though he lost. And wanting to be president even though he lost so much that they're willing to come up with these wild allegations and wild ideas and do it without evidence. And they claim they have evidence, they promise that they're going to put out evidence, and they don't. But the shift is that that's where we are as a society. These things, 30 years ago, would never be taken seriously. People would have been turned off by the whole circus by now. But yet you have tens of millions of Americans that are biting and and chewing on all this bullshit and then they wonder why their breath stinks why nobody wants to talk to them why everybody is keeping distance it's a it's a wild thing and then you know if you have uh, time and, and, and you're inclined to do so if you go to the White House uh, website you know whitehouse.org and you look at the uh, president um, executive orders he's still putting them up he's still sending people to the senate to be confirmed and you know and part of that is he has uh, replaced the uh the, the pentagon director he fired the uh cyber uh security um director uh at homeland security because he didn't agree that there was uh fraud he said there is absolutely no fraud he has uh who else was it? Yeah, I mean, these uh, getting rid of, of these people in the security um, post of the Pentagon, Homeland Security. Oh, the NSA. He's trying to confirm a new uh, NSA chief, um, and he's bringing home the troops home on uh, January the fifteenth. So, I don't know. I mean, you want a conspiracy theory? Here, let me give you one. Um, he's about to throw a coup, right? Because he's bringing in troops that he's going to need for this that are uh, war-hardened. Uh, and then all the people that are will prevent him from doing so, he has uh, replaced with loyalists. That is a 100% uh, dictator's uh, modus. And that is to put, dic- uh, to put loyalists in key positions that would otherwise keep them from doing what they do. And here you have it. But hey, that's just some wild, crazy theory of mine. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, We're going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Pretty soon we'll have a vaccine. Pretty soon uh, we'll be able to go back to, to normal life, to eat and drink and be merry. It's all going to be good. the universe thing was that must have been before i went into the administration must have been five years ago you guys have been on this yeah 
for such a long time. Such a long time. Yeah, we, we saw this as a major threat because we saw how many people are getting their news. And typically, when you leave that to chance, when you leave to corporations your free speech rights, it, I just don't trust that they're going to protect they're going to protect the people. And we've seen this because we're in this unique spot where we're from this populist nationalist uh, portion of the conservative movement where we're both conservatives. So we have a healthy skepticism on any sort of collectivism. But we're also sort of skeptical of corporations, which is different than the Republican establishment. That was uh, Alex Marlowe talking to Sebastian Gorka on the Sebastian Gorka uh, America First radio show. So what does all that mean? Well, it means that we haven't been paying attention. It means that in 2010, 2009, when the Tea Party started to, uh, that popped up, uh, no one thought that they should be taken seriously because they were extremists. And yet they got elected. The Republicans, conservatives, elected them to uh, Congress. What did they do? They had an effect on Congress. Later on in 2016, 2015, we didn't want to take um, Donald Trump uh, seriously because he was just too out there. He was just the American people would never vote someone like that into office. And yet there you go. And he did. I want to go back, though, to 2010 election when all those tea parties, uh, people got elected. You see, the thing is, is that people a lot of people want to say that Obama didn't do shit. Well, most of what Obama did for uh, out of his uh, campaign promises happened between 2008 and 2010 when the Senate <clears throat> was uh, Democratic, was ran by the Democrats. And so after that, throughout his entire, uh, the next following six years, it was all Republican. It was, Mitch, it was uh, John Boehner and then Mitch McConnell. And once Mitch McConnell got in there, he was, he became the party of now. So you... So, you, you know, you, you put Obama there in office and then you let him fend for himself. In the meantime, the conservatives and Republicans were pushing to have control of the House and the Senate and local governments. And that's how we've gotten here, right, to the point where they had so much information, so much data about how to approach their base and create and, and as far as Donald Trump, he really uh, seemed to have gotten lucky or somebody was scientific driven, you know, scientifically driven to uh, have data that uh, pretty much told them exactly how to tap into a base that was extremely loyal. So much so that right now all the Republicans are supposedly not speaking against Trump because they're afraid that he's going to turn their voters against him. Now that's intense, right? So then <clears throat> right now we have people protesting consistently since the election about voter fraud. There's no evidence of voter fraud, right? People that, that Trump himself appointed to, to these uh, positions of uh, security have said there's no voter fraud and that's why they're getting fired you know um, so there needs to be a change in the way that uh, liberals left Democrats 
uh, approach these things. You have to take them seriously because it's, 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 we're right now in this situation where the country has to go to therapy. And, and one side is like, well, this is your, your problem. And then you start to realize, well, this person lives in my house that needs therapy. And so it's not just their problem. It's also my problem. That's exactly where we are right now. You know, and the thing is, is that this extremism hasn't, this is not the first time that this country has faced something similar to this. In the late 1800s, the temperance movement started to take, uh, gain traction, right? And it was because uh, there was so much consumption of alcohol that was three times the amount that we consume today. Now, remember, the population was also uh, smaller, but it was three times the amount per person. And because of all of that consumption, there was a lot of domestic abuse. And so the temperance movement was driven by women um, that were either widows because men had uh, died because of being drunk in an accident or, you know, because the liver gave out or there were women that uh, were in marriages that uh, were extremely abusive to them and to their children. And most of these men were drinking too much. So it started to be an obvious problem. That's when they started talking about prohibition. This goes back to the 1880s. Then around that time, that was also when the Ku Klux Klan came about because this is after the Civil War. Um, you also have um, the clergy that wanted to regain its power over society. And so you have uh, Christianity. You have um, a uh, racist groups, right? Ku Klux Klan. Uh, white supremacy, and then you have a temperance movement, right? That is, it's uh, this thing of uh, let's uh, let's let's make things the way they used to be. Those three groups came together to be a, to push for uh, prohibition. Okay, and so eventually they were successful. They actually were able to amend the Constitution of the United States to prohibit the consumption, the possession, the, the, the production, uh, distribution of alcohol, beer, wine, and liquor. They were able to change the Constitution for this. And that's a big, big deal because you got to have like thir thirds of the, uh, of the governors to sign off on it in order to be able to do this. And so you can imagine that happened in 1919. Um, this has been going on since the 1880s. So you're talking about 40 years. And we're about in that 40-year point, right? In that during the Reagan years is whenever all of this movement within the Christian-based movement started um, to get fully involved into politics again. So what do we have with, uh, with prohibition? We ended up with people drinking more, right? Because now it was, it was cool to break the law. Same people who voted to, to 
restrict and, and uh, uh, ban the use of alcohol and possession of alcohol, we're breaking the same law. <laughs> I mean, these people voted for it and then they, 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 they went against it, right? Um, you ended up with better organized crime, right? You ended up with uh, more violence because of it. And eventually, you had to overturn it with another amendment. You have an amendment to cancel an amendment. It's fucking wild. And all of it comes from conservatism, right? Because it, the, the clergy were upset that all of these immigrants that were coming from Ireland were bringing in Catholicism, right? So there's the immigrant uh, element to it. Then you have the Ku Klux Klan, which was, didn't like the fact that uh, blacks were integrating with society. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, their women were, you know, going around into the uh, into the the neighborhoods. And then you had the the temperance movement, uh, which were women that wanted to have more control over their households. And in a way, you can't really get mad at that. But look at the deal they had to make. Look at the way that they had to go about what they wanted. And it was a huge backlash because that entire movement had to take steam again in during the civil rights movement. Um, so today we have very similar conditions and if uh, actually worse conditions, you know, because they're deteriorating to the fact that we are divided between two groups. At the time, at least everybody was breaking the law after after prohibition, you know. Uh, the same people that were like, oh, you know, we need to ban alcohol. All of a sudden, we're like, man, I, I could really use a drink. And so for those, what was it, 13 years, 13, 14 years that prohibition was in place, um, everyone was being a hypocrite because the same people that had voted for it uh, all of a sudden didn't, uh, didn't want to follow the law. So all that to say that when you don't think something is going to happen because it's just too fucking crazy you better watch out if you have a smart device you can listen on alexa um, you can ask for the open bar experience also we have our own website which is openbar.space you can check us out also on your favorite app whether it's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, stitcher or apple Podcasts. Check it out, The Open Bar Experience. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.